Welcome to Crosstalk Podcast powered by Router Protocol. Whether you're a seasoned crypto enthusiast or just dipping your toes into the world of blockchain and Web3, this is the place to be. We will dive into complex subjects like Web3 interoperability, DeFi composability, cross-chain scalability, and discuss key trends impacting the Web3 space. Come join us as we simplify and decode the ever-evolving innovations in the Web3 industry. In this episode, I will dive into the revolutionary concept of intents. The discussion delves into the challenges of blockchain interaction, especially in a cross-chain environment, and how intents address critical bottlenecks around user onboarding, protecting users against front-running and MEV, and enhancing the overall user experience. We also dive into router CCIF, breaking down its architecture, addressing challenges, and highlighting its applications in the current scenario. Hey everyone, welcome to Crosstalk Podcast powered by Router Protocol. I am your host, Ahana, and today we'll be exploring a revolutionary concept that is set to accelerate Web3 adoption. Yes, I'm talking about intents here. Today we are joined by Watsil, a blockchain researcher and one of the minds behind Router CCIF. Watsil, I'm pleased to invite you to the show today. Thanks for having me, Ahana. It's great to be here. Watsil, there's a growing buzz around intents with many experts calling out intents as the next big thing. Could you explain in a very simple terms, in a layman's language, what an intent in blockchain means and how does it streamline traditional blockchain interactions? Certainly. I mean, I'll do my best. In general... An intent is basically someone's goal or objective, right? I mean, if you pick up any dictionary and look for the word intent, that is what it will state. The same definition can be extended for intents in the context of blockchain. It's essentially a user-desired result on a specific blockchain. It could be any blockchain. To, to make sense of this, let us understand how these intents actually play out in the context of blockchain. So the way it would work is that a user gives an instruction or, or basically just expresses a wish. And then an intent framework or any intent system just determines the best way to fulfill that request. So instead of going through multiple complex steps for an transaction, users just state their goal and the intent system handles the rest. So it, it's a major shift from a manual step-by-step execution to a more automated process. That sounds a fascinating concept, Watsal. To make sure our audience can follow along, could you break it down further? Maybe, you know, give a simplified example of how does this really work? Sure. So traditionally, if a user wanted to swap tokens, he would have to manually choose an exchange, navigate its UI by entering all the fields. I mean, the source token, the destination token, the amount and everything, then execute the trade. But with an intent system, the user can simply state, hey, I want to swap 50 USDC for ETH. The system, any intent system, will then automate the entire process from figuring out the best exchange platform, the optimal exchange rate, and then even executing the trade on users' behalf. I mean, it it might not sound like a big, big deal for a single DeFi interaction, like the example that I just gave you, but imagine if you had to collate multiple steps into one. Uh, consider swapping USDT to ETH, then bridging ETH to a different chain completely, let's say Ethereum, and then doing another interaction like staking on a liquid staking platform. Unlike the current system where you would have to perform all of these steps yourself, an intent-based system could perform all these three steps for you. And it will all be abstracted for you and you will only see it as a single step, but behind the scenes, multiple steps will be taken care of by the intent system. 
So all you would have to do is express your goal by saying, hey, I have a thousand USDT on Arbitrum and I want to stake them on a liquid staking platform on Ethereum. Wow, that's interesting. So essentially, if I want to swap bridge and stake rather than, you know, a user doing three different transactions, it can all be consolidated into one. And with a click of a button, three transactions can be done. Ah, super interesting. Looks like a game changer and especially, you know, as you mentioned, for simplifying complex blockchain operations. This is really helpful. So let's delve a bit deeper. So Vatsal, in your opinion, uh, what significance do intents hold in the blockchain space? And let's talk both from the point of view of users as well as developers. Sure, sure. I, I'll just use the same example that I just gave. Consider a cross-chain liquid staking, right? Uh, you are staking on a liquid staking platform on a completely different chain. Uh, in the current system, that would typically involve, what, 20, 25, even 30 clicks. I mean, you'll have to go to at least three different dApps, right? You first have to swap the token, and then you have to bridge it, and then you have to stake it. That's three different applications. That's bare minimum. And obviously, you would have to approve different tokens. You would have to, you know, approve the transaction. So there are minimum like five or even seven wallet interactions. And all of this will take a lot of time as well. And this is if you have an understanding of bridges and have proficiency in using DeFi applications. If you are a new user, I mean, a new user will just leave. I mean, seeing all this complexity. I, I mean, I was discussing this a few weeks ago on our Twitter spaces. An intent-based framework can actually solve a lot of the user problems. I'll, I'll come to developers' uh, problems as well, but for users, uh, it could mean like finding optimal paths for users to achieve their desired result. I mean, with so many intent, sorry, so many DeFi applications available, right? What application gives you the best rate? Which application gives you the best path? That is very tricky to know. An intent-based system can help you there. Then combining multiple DeFi operations into a single step process. I mean, that's one of the biggest USPs, I would say, of an intent-based system. Then allowing for the payment of gas fees in any token. I mean, you don't necessarily need to hold the native asset of that chain. I mean, that is something also that the intent system can uh, help you with. And coming to developers, an intent system can allow for more composability. So basically, you can create modular contracts that can act as Legos for other developers to leverage in their application. For example, if some developer has already solved the liquid staking part. A new developer can come in and build an application that allows users to liquid stake ETH and in the same transaction, pool the liquid staking token, whichever one you have received from the you know liquid staking platform and uh, basically pool it with ETH and add it to a pool on any DEX. So in this case, a new developer doesn't actually need to solve the liquid staking part because it's a problem that has already been solved. Got it. So I, I think I agree here, like the idea of using intents to simplify blockchain interactions is uh, quite fascinating. In fact, you know, I would go further and say it could be the key to unlocking the next level of user adoption and developer innovation. But yeah, what's now to put this into perspective for our audience, could you give us an example of an existing application that employs an intent-based approach? And if you could also explain how is it better as compared to the traditional approaches that we've seen in the past. Yeah, sure. Let me think of an example that would be best suited for the users. Yeah, I mean, you could take CowSwap for an example. It's a decentralized exchange that uses intents to address the issues which are, you know, commonly faced by issues of by users of traditional DEXs, like front running and, you know, high slippage, all of that. 
in the case of cowswap users just simply state their trading intent i mean it's as simple as that let's say a user wants to buy 10 eth tokens at a price of $2000 i mean with cowswap the user just signs a message and the order is stored off chain and therefore this whole thing does not cost any gas it just serves as the user's commitment to the trade and allows cowswap to include your order in its uh, batch auctions so instead of processing trades individually cowswap aggregates multiple trades into batch auctions this means that trades are collected over a short period and then all of those trades are executed together this approach helps to reduce the impact of price slippage how i'll tell you cowswap looks for overlapping orders let's say one user wants to sell and another wants to buy at the same rate right so within the batch it looks for overlapping orders when a direct match is found the trade is settled without using any external liquidity pool and since cowswap finds the best settlement for trades within each batch it prevents miners from exploiting users trades for their own gain a, a, a practice that is commonly known as front running oh uh, yeah it actually seems like a compelling example of how intense can transform user experience in you know dexes and the way it mitigates common pain points like you mentioned front running and slippage that's really noteworthy considering the versatility of intents i am i'm like really curious to learn more about you know the broader applications so beyond token swaps you know as you already mentioned about cow swaps but beyond swaps like you know what do you think are other possibilities do intents unlock in the blockchain ecosystem sure see the these intents based swaps which cow swap is providing are indeed useful and i mean a great innovation but i mean it's still just like scratching the surface of what intents can actually achieve i mean you can think much bigger with intents as i mentioned earlier with the you know cross chain liquid staking example i'm sorry to have having to use the same example again and again but i think the the listeners will find it more easier to you know follow the same example for the same example the true potential of intents is that it can execute multiple defi operations in a way that to the user appears as a single step but it's not really a single step in fact that is the problem that we are trying to solve as part of router's cross chain intent framework or ccif uh, as we like to call it mm, firstly uh, what's a, i think it's it's quite intriguing to think about the layers of complexity that intents can simplify for users uh, but you would definitely like to know more about you just mentioned uh, ccif cross chain intent framework of router could you briefly give an overview of what ccif is and also explain how does it tackle the challenges of uh, cross chain interactions that users face today absolutely if i had to put it in very simple terms the router ccif is basically a tool a platform that makes defi interactions as easy as possible think of it as a smart assistant if you will uh, that helps users to things like staking their tokens or borrowing tokens or even pooling tokens together all of that without having to understand the underlying details of each defi application uh, router ccif basically takes a user's intent uh, which can often times be very abstract and turn it into an actionable workflow to do this so the way it works is that we break down any user intent into sub interactions and each of these sub interactions are handled by a specific contract we refer to this these contracts as intent adapters we have another entity called the intent solver that finds the most optimized path to actually realize these sub interactions to actually execute these sub interactions and achieve the user's result whatever the user's desired 
basically this intent solver determines which intent adapter should be used for which sub interaction. Let me just give you an example for this. Suppose a user with USDC on the Polygon network wants to stake AVAX on Benki on the Avalanche network, right? So it's a cross-chain liquid staking scenario, right? The CCIF will translate this intent into three sub-interactions. First will be swapping the USDC on Polygon to wrapped AVAX. Then it would be to bridge that wrapped AVAX from the Polygon network to AVAX on Avalanche. And then the third sub-interaction would be staking that AVAX on Benki. These three sub-interactions will be part of the whole flow. And Intent Solver will actually determine which adapter or which application should be used for each of these sub-interactions. Wow, it's, it's super interesting. You know, it definitely seems to be a very powerful tool that can actually abstract away all the complexity that normally users face today. And I would say particularly while we are interacting with multiple blockchains. And I think this could uh, really play a pivotal role in the adoption of blockchain technology. Super interesting. Yeah. Now, you know, this makes me curious about the evolution of intents in blockchains. Patsal, could you walk us through the origins of intents? Like how did it originate in the blockchain space? And how did they develop into what we see today? Of course. So now the concept of intents in blockchain has actually come a long way. Uh, it started with Paradigm. So they looked at how users interact with blockchains and thought, uh, what if we could make this simple for mass user adoption? So their idea was to let users state what they want to do and the blockchain should figure out how to make that happen. Uh, so that was the birth of uh, quote-unquote intents in the blockchain world. Uh, after Paradigm, you know, we had players like Anoma, I wouldn't say had, we have players like Anoma and Suave stepping in. Anoma is majorly focusing on secure counterparty matching, somewhat similar to CosSwap. And uh, Suave is uh, actually trying to build a common mempool for all blockchains and basically decentralized transaction ordering. I mean, again, this is for, you know, MEV protection or front-running protection. It's quite fascinating to see the evolution of intents from Paradigm's initial vision to a very diverse approach that, uh, or, you know, approaches, I would say, that has been taken up by Anoma and Swab. I mean, each adding their own unique contributions. I'm curious to know how Router's CCIF differentiates itself from, say, you know, these players you just mentioned, Anoma and Swab. So, unlike Anoma, which uh, concentrates on, you know, intents-based trading, or even Suave, which aims at MEV protection. Uh, our focus is majorly on simplifying cross-chain interactions and creating a developer-friendly framework. So is the uh, cross-chain aspect the key in case of router CCIF? Uh, I mean, yes and no. CCIF can be used just about by just about anyone, really. I mean, be it someone looking to execute same-chain operations or you know cross-chain operations. But the USP of CCIF is definitely its ability to bridge the gaps between various chains, which is which I believe is crucial in today's ecosystem where different platforms or different chains, you know, operate in isolation. So that's why I would say it's a bit of a yes and a bit of a no. CCIF is can definitely handle same chain interactions as well, but the USP is obviously the cross-chain aspect of it. 
Oh, you know, I would say this focus on interoperability, I think it's very crucial, especially, you know, when we talk about the space we are in today, an increasingly fragmented blockchain landscape. So I think, and you know, it seems like CCIF could significantly enhance the way we interact with different blockchains. And that could be like a huge leap forward in user experience. But Vatsal, what does the user need to know in order to execute these intents? Is there a learning curve here? Or how is it? No, no. Actually, the framework is all about simplification and all about user experience. So it has been designed in a way that that's intuitive for users and developers both. Um, I mean, regardless of the technical expertise of users, it's it's very intuitive. Even with the, I mean, with the router CCIF, users don't need to understand the technicalities of each blockchain or DAP that they interact with. They can just, you know, state their intent and the framework takes care of the rest. Um, it ensures that the processes, I mean, optimize for all three, speed, cost, and reliability. Wow, it's like having a personal assistant for your blockchain operations and transactions. Exactly. Uh, and for developers, it means that they can build apps that are more user-friendly, focus on innovation rather than the complexities of, you know, cross-chain interaction. I mean, there are too many complexities, so they don't need to, you know, concern, concern themselves with those complexities. They can just focus on innovation. With our intent framework, developers can actually create very intuitive interfaces. Uh, by reducing the friction in creating cross-chain applications, we are trying to lower the barrier to entry for developers. We hope that this would lead to a surge in adoption as more developers are able to create dApps without having to build everything from scratch. I mean, it's about making the technology work for the users and developers, not the other way around. Wow, that's a compelling uh, vision for the future of dApp development. And by streamlining the process and removing the hurdles of cross-chain interactions, it sounds like CCIF could indeed be a catalyst for innovation and wider adoption. And I think it's super exciting to you know think about a world where developers can actually focus more on creating value, what they are best at, and, and they shouldn't be required to think or navigate these technical complexities. Yeah, now I would like to delve a bit deeper now. And would like to understand a bit more about the technical side of things. Uh, Vatsal, could you explain in very simple terms the architecture behind CCIF? And I would urge you to talk in very layman's language so that our listeners can understand. And yeah, of course, I would like to know how does it translate a user's intent into actions on a blockchain? Certainly. I'll, I'll use just some technical jargon, but most of it I'll try to simplify as much as possible. So at the heart mm -hmm. of it the router CCIF has three components. First is the intent adapters, which I've already alluded to. Then you have an adapter registry module. And finally, intent solvers, again, something that I've already alluded to. So majorly, the intent adapters and the intent solvers work together to ensure that a user's intent is carried out. Uh, the adapter registry module is essentially a directory or a database of all the intent adapters. Uh, it is there to standardize how adapters are used and managed within the CCIF. Uh, I mean, it is more developer-focused component uh, rather than user-focused component. Uh, developers can refer to this adapter registry module, know how each adapter works and, you know, how they can use them in their applications and if they want to maintain any whitelists for applications or any blacklists. So that part is for developers specifically. 
Now coming back to the whole intent workflow using intent adapters and intent solvers. First, we have the intent adapters, of course. These are smart contracts that are designed to execute a specific task. They are responsible for executing actions like swapping, bridging, lending. I mean, all of these tasks are very unitary, right? So it's swapping, bridging, lending, borrowing, staking. And uh, based on the type of DeFi interaction that DeFi operation that is being performed, uh, we can classify these adapters into two types, these contracts into two types. First is uh, stateless contracts, stateless adapters. They don't need to, so as the name suggests, right, stateless. They don't need to maintain any states. What that means is they don't need to maintain any mapping of a user with a certain state. Let's consider the example of swapping on any DEX, right? A user comes, it gives, it, it enter, he, he or she enters 20 USDC and gets 20 USDT or 19.9 USDT in return, right? In the whole flow, it's a one one transaction. So there's no state management required. And, and even for things like liquidity addition, you don't need to maintain states because you get a proof of liquidity. So the contract itself doesn't need to maintain the state. With the proof of liquidity, whenever the user comes in with that proof of liquidity, you can just know that this user holds these many funds. Uh, next are the stateful adapters, which are you know directly in contrast to the stateless funds. These adapters, these contracts, actually have to maintain user-specific states. So an example for this could be lending or borrowing on Aave. So here, there's no proof of lending or borrowing that has been given to the user. So the contract itself needs to maintain the entire state of every user. Now, coming to the intent solvers, I hope the intent adapters part was clear for the listeners. Coming to the intent solvers part, these are basically the decision makers. So intent adapters can execute these unitary operations like swapping or, you know, you have bridging and everything. But you need a decision maker or a manager, if you will, that decides who will perform what, right? For an entire workflow, who is going to be doing what? Intent solvers performs that job. They ensure that your intent is executed in the most efficient way. To do this, it uses a multi-criteria decision-making algorithm. So it's basically called a pathfinder algorithm because it basically finds the path to the most optimal way for executing a user's intent. The intent solvers are also responsible for generating the call data. The call data is basically the data that is executed on the blockchain, right? So they generate that call data and simulate it to ensure that the slippage and fees and everything is, you know, optimal. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention before within when I was talking about uh, adapters is that we have this specific adapter called multi-call, which can sequentially invoke each adapter. So this multi-call adapter can invoke a swapping adapter. Then next it can invoke a bridging adapter. So it can sequentially invoke each of these adapters. And it's intent solver's job to send the correct call data to the multi-call adapter. Okay, so, so can I say you know, intent solvers are the mastermind behind the in, in the entire architecture? Yeah, uh, I mean, you can say that for sure. But yeah, anyway, thanks for breaking this down, Vatsal, and simplifying it to a good extent for our listeners. It, it's quite clear that CCIF architecture is uh, you know designed essentially to handle complex tasks in a very efficient way. Uh, also with intent adapters, the uh, 
uh, registry module you spoke about and intent solver is the hero of the architecture they are all playing their own part and it's a you know looks like a robust system uh, but i'm pretty sure you know it's not sailing all that smooth so what are the kind of challenges do these intent solvers encounter and i'm particularly asking about intent solvers since you know i believe they're the hero behind the architecture so what are these challenges that they face when ensuring that the user's intents is you know carried out effectively and efficiently yeah sure i'll, I'll take that down i mean i'll break that down for the entire system so for intent adapters the problems will be basically i mean exclusive to each developer whenever they are building it if they are trying to solve a particular problem then whatever part is already solved using uh, other adapters they can use that but to solve the rest of the problem i mean that's something they'll have to do it on their own right uh, so that is the only challenge i mean with intent adapters apart from that everything is streamlined right i mean we have built it in a way the adapter library that uh, you don't face any you know unknowns you don't face any problems as such but with the intent solvers one major challenge is whenever we are estimating the time for any cross chain communication it, it's a bit complex because there are many variables at play to address this right now we are using uh, heuristic approaches and historical data to provide more accurate time estimates hmm that's an interesting point about uh, time estimation for cross chain communications uh, and now considering the reliance on uh, external rpc services which you know i believe are critical for blockchain interactions How does CCIF handle potential, say, network errors or downtime? For this, we have fallback mechanisms in place. I mean, we've already thought of this problem. If there's an issue with an RPC service, we can always switch to an alternative source automatically. In the long term, we might even consider setting up a dedicated full node to provide even more stability and control. But for now, we are, you know, using this fallback mechanism, and I think it's working pretty well uh, based on whatever we've seen till now. Mm, that's great to hear Vatsal and you know ensuring continuous operations and reliability you know it seems that has been a priority in this design and uh, you know I think that's quite evident thanks for shedding light on uh, these you know very intricate and uh, yeah intricate details and for the fascinating discussion on the CCIF's capabilities yeah of course it seems like a lot of thought has gone into making it both robust and adaptable so thanks a lot Vatsal for giving us a peek under the hood of this groundbreaking framework I would say now I'm interested in exploring how CCIF can be applied in real world scenarios uh, essentially to improve the efficiency of blockchain interactions so could you talk about a few uh, use cases that can demonstrate the potential of this framework Yeah yeah of course so the most obvious use case uh, will be cross chain defi applications right like cross chain liquid staking cross chain lending and borrowing and uh, even cross chain liquidity ad- addition which is uh, basically allowing allowing for to be added on dexes um, which exist on different chains uh, now with the recently the whole egan layer restaking has gone viral and we have an ecosystem project called stakeys which is building a cross chain restaking aggregator using the router ccif in fact they are in quite advanced stages right now they have managed to bring egan layer to users who are not even on ethereum or don't even hold the eth token and uh, the whole application because it's using the router ccif it's as simple to use as a normal any normal dex right something which the defi users will be very familiar with 
I mean, it's just a single click and you can restake from anywhere. Apart from DeFi applications, I mean, CCIF can be used for portfolio management applications. That would involve some stateful adapters, right? The stateful contracts that I uh, referred to a while back, right? So this application will require them. But this can be a huge use case for users looking to maximize their investments across multiple blockchains. You can then think of cross-chain NFT marketplaces and create a whole ecosystem around that with the CCIF. These are, uh, I would say, some very fascinating examples that you just quoted, Vatsal, and it really showcases the versatility of CCIF in the blockchain space. Speaking of possibility, or possibilities, I should be saying, you touched upon portfolio management as a use case. So can you elaborate on how CCIF can assist with that? Yes. I mean, it's a very exciting application. By leveraging our intent adapters, you can dynamically manage assets across different platforms. You know, I'll, I'll just stop here. The way you said yes, you yourself, you were so excited. So I would love to hear about this application. <laughs> yeah, please go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like I said, with intent adapters, you can, because we have intent adapters for so many applications, right? So many liquid staking platforms and restaking platforms, and you can build for a lot of them. Right, you can dynamically manage assets across these different platforms to make sure that you get the best yield. It's like having a smart investment tool that's always looking out for the best opportunities in real time. In fact, we have this amazing protocol called Sommelier Finance that allows creation of custom investment strategies using our intent adapters. Uh, some of their strategies provide a remarkable organic yield on assets like ETH and BTC. I mean, these adapters, I mean, they can be used by any portfolio management application and to just provide the best yields to the user. And within a, I would say, a criteria, let's say a user wants to only use low-risk applications, right? So you can filter that and just use low-risk applications. And if the user is, you know, a little more risk tolerant, they can choose to even opt for a medium risk strategy. And then these portfolio management apps can even use these adapters, which interact with medium risk applications, which have maybe, which are newer or maybe haven't been as uh, long in the DeFi game as others. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole point is to give flexibility to the user. Nice. So, okay, it's truly impressive. So it's like a concept of smart automated tool that can keep an eye on the market fluctuations and accordingly adjust your investment. Uh, it's, it's literally having a financial advisor working around the clock for you. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like a yeah. mutual fund portfolio manager who's mixing and matching based on, you know, market conditions. If, if some mutual fund is going up, some stock is going up, they'll invest in that and all of that. Right. right. Now, now, now shifting gears a bit, uh, Vatsal, I'm really curious about the structure of CCIF. It's, uh, you know, it's it's been described as uh, modular and open source. So could you elaborate a bit more on, uh, you know, a bit more on that front? Absolutely. The framework is designed to be incredibly flexible. And let me break it down. As I mentioned before, the intent adapters part of the CCIF is like Legos, like building blocks. It's like having different tools in a toolbox and you can choose which one you need for your specific task. And because it's open source, anyone in the community can contribute to it or build upon it, right? You can build more adapters. You can use the existing ones in your application. It's like an open playground for developers. 
They can tweak existing parts or add new ones to expand the framework's capabilities. The idea of a community-driven modular framework, it's definitely a powerful one, offering endless possibilities for innovation. It's quite clear that CCIF is, I'll say it's just not a tool, but a platform that can evolve with contributions of its users. So your, your explanation has highlighted the collaborative and I would say adaptive spirit of CCIF. But before we wrap this episode, I would really love to hear your thoughts on the broader Web3 landscape. So what do you think? What are the top three developments or trends in the Web3 space that you are most excited about right now? I mean, the first and foremost is Intense. Not just because I'm working in that space, but because I really do believe that Intense hold a powerful use case and it can be the key that unlocks mass adoption for blockchain and you know DeFi. Then I'm really bullish on tokenized real-world assets. And right now, the whole Egan layer restaking thing, the whole AVS and that entire, you know, Egan layer security using the security of Ethereum for you using that as a base for other applications and other chains. I mean, that is also really attractive to me right now. Superb. Sounds interesting. And on that note, we will wrap up this episode of Crosstalk Podcast by router protocol thanks a lot Vatsal for sharing your insights for explaining the very complex topic of intense to our listeners in a very simplified manner I would say and of course I would like to give a big shout out to the entire router protocol team that has been relentlessly working on router CCIF and definitely pushing the envelope on improving user experience for the entire web3 industry thank you thank you for having me it was lovely being on the show and I mean, again, just thanks a lot. Thanks, Vatsal. And dear listeners, if you want to learn more about Router Protocol or Router CCIF, please find the links in the episode description. We will return shortly with much more insightful discussions on Web3 in our upcoming episode. And until then, goodbye. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Crosstalk Podcast, co-powered by Router Protocol. We hope you enjoyed the journey into the fascinating world of blockchain and Web3. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with others who are passionate about Web3 and leave us a review. Remember, the Web3 space is always evolving and so are we. Stay connected with us on Twitter for more updates and latest industry trends.